0: Good morning, everyone. I'm just going to raise this just for a second. <clears throat> right, good morning. Uh, my name is Stephen. If you don't know me, it would be wonderful to meet you personally. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, and uh, wow, it's so wonderful to see the church. Uh, every time I preach, it seems to be fuller and fuller, which is what we want, isn't it? Uh, we're wanting more people to come to know the Lord. So um, we're in a, a series Called Wisdom in the Workplace. And we're to- talking about a biblical view of work. And we've learned a lot of great stuff over the last weeks about how God values work, that God is a worker, and that God has given work to human beings as a way to subdue the earth, as a way to glorify him, to to bring out the wonders that he has impregnated this ball that floats through space called earth. He's impregnated this ball with all sorts of potential. And every time we discover something, every time we bring order out of the chaos, we are glorifying God. We're bringing out something that He has put in here as potential. And uh, that's kind of our view of work, that work is good, and that uh, work brings dignity, and work brings a sense of purpose to life. And um, then Andrew asked me to to speak particularly from the perspective of a Christian business owner. So... Um, while I'm not going to give you a speech about how it's good to own your own business and the benefits of running your own business, because I think part of what I'm going to say to you this morning is that God has a unique plan for each of us. Um, but in my own case, it has been to, in part, be an entrepreneur for 25 years since I left Varsity. And what I am going to share with you is just some of the, the lessons that God has taught me and some of the convictions that I have had imprinted on me from God's Word as he's taken me on this incredible journey of, of being an entrepreneur through the years. So I want to read a verse to you. Um, if you can see the whole verse, it should be up on the screen any second now, um, which is 1 yeah, Timothy, and we're going to leave that up because this is the verse that I want to focus on with you this morning. <clears throat> okay, sorry, I need to stop my time. I was under strict instructions on the timing of things. Um, okay. <laughs> so we've just had a lady who has a genuinely powerful prophetic gift come through this church. And um, it's been many years since I've actually been in a series of meetings where there was a prophet speaking, where someone was genuinely speaking by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, not just for the people that get prophesied over, but for the rest of us who know, my goodness, that lady is speaking by the Spirit of God. There is no way she could have known what she said was true. And that was over a number of people. I mean, what she said to Angie James was quite staggering. <laughs> Angie James is the head of the Treasure House, which is the name of our children's ministry. This lady doesn't know her, doesn't know our church, and she is prophesying over Angie about how she's full of joy and how she's like a traveling circus. And If you know Angie, that's Angie to a T. And then she kind of fixed on what the Holy Spirit was saying. She wanted to express to Angie in the most personal terms how God is proud of her, how God loves her. And she says this. You know what God says? You are a treasure to this house. How radical is that? That is the spirit of God speaking. Twenty-five years ago, I got saved when I was 23 years old, 1998. Shortly after that, Danielle and I got saved on the same night together, and we've been serving the Lord ever since. Shortly after that, I got a prophecy from someone like that, and it was equally as dramatic. In fact, it was so dramatic, the words that this woman said over me about a certain business that I was involved with at the time and our God was going to give me success in that type of business with a very unique kind of strategy that we work with in that kind of business. She used certain like words that only someone in our industry would know. It was dramatic. I was with a friend of mine who was not a Christian and he heard what this woman said and to this day... I'm in a business now where that prophecy is being fulfilled in dramatic ways. To this day, this friend of mine who still is not serving the Lord, he knows, he knows the truth of the gospel. He just will not bow his knee to it. But he still says to me to this day, oh, that's, you know, you, you, you're busy living the fulfillment of what that woman said to you those many years ago. Even he knows. And I think it's a good time for, for us to focus on the verses at hand because they give us whether you've received a personal prophecy or not is irrelevant, the same holds true for you because there is some invaluable advice that I have tried my best to obey for the last 25 years as I've been on this journey of being an entrepreneur. So let's read them together. Uh, this is the, the aged Apostle Paul. Towards the end of his life, he's writing to his his, his protege, the man that would come up and, and, and care for many of the churches and play that kind of apostolic role after Paul died, uh, he writes Timothy this letter and he says this to him. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. You ever noticed that? Timothy had received prophetic words. Like Angie James, received a prophetic word. Now, Paul has some advice for Timothy. That by them, that by these prophetic words, you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shif- shipwreck. So, while my journey has been one of running businesses and being a little bit in and out of ministry, this really sort of inconsistent journey of one business and then another business, I was counting up as I was preparing for today, and I've had uh, seven failed businesses over the last 25 years. The life of an entrepreneur, my friends, is hard. You're going to fail far more than you succeed. And I've had pretty much 25 years of failure. That's been my story. And yet, through the midst of it, I've known it was God's will. I've had a number of occasions where something dramatic has happened in between businesses and God's miraculous provision for my family that I've known. I've been on a journey with my father. Just because the journey's not easy doesn't mean that you're not doing what's Right. So I've enjoyed time freedom. I've enjoyed the blessings of, of God of being able to spend time with my kids and never miss a game. And my own business has given me that. Um, religious liberty and evangelistic opportunity. I've always used my businesses as a way to be a witness. Preach the gospel in all of our business events. And I don't have to ask anybody's permission for that. I own the business. I don't have to deal with politics. Um, I've, of late with my latest business, I'm, I'm able to build a, a, a Christian culture within my team. I'm able to control the culture with, with which we, we now go on a journey as a, as a company. Um, obviously, the financial blessings, which sort of have taken 25 years to become a reality, but I thank God that I started a business three years ago, which is by His grace doing well, and I realized it might not always do that. It could fall apart tomorrow and I would still trust God. <clears throat> um, but for me, the most powerful lesson that I've learned as a Christian businessman is that God has a plan, that, that, that we can walk with God. What a privilege to walk with, with God. And I feel... And have felt through the years, much like David expresses in uh, Psalm 139. Let me actually read that to you. I've felt like this many times. O oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path. And my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. I have felt that. that doesn't, it doesn't matter how treacherous times were. It doesn't matter how heartbreaking the failure was. There was always a sense of God's protection over me hedging me before and behind and with his hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, says David. It is high. I cannot attain it. I pity the non-Christian. I pity the man or woman who is refusing to reconcile to God, who wants to go their own way. I pity them. The greatest thing you can experience in this life is walking with God. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. I've had, I've had some dark times. But in the midst of the darkness, there was always the sense that I'm actually in the light. It's okay. It's going to work out. Why? Because indeed the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike for you. And then he, he says these most remarkable words. that condemn every abortion clinic in this world. For you covered me in the inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was in my mother's womb and skillfully wrought, as it were, in the lowest parts of the earth where no one can see, your eyes saw my substance being yet un- unformed. While I was still a fertilized seed, you saw my entire life. Now listen to this. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. That is radical. God has a plan for you. Did you know that? All the days of your life have been planned out for you by a loving and all-wise and all-powerful, holy God who knows what He made you for. This is the thing that has carried me and struck me and, and delighted me through a life of struggle and business and failure and success and people and phone calls and, and events. and It's this daily thing, walking with God. Amen. So I got this prophecy and then seven failed businesses, but but in that time, there was there was things that happened. I, I once uh, I was coming out of a, my only job I ever had. I worked for three years for the IMM, and I had this idea of starting a, a training business. And I, and I kind of had a, had another prophetic word where God had said I was going to own my own business, and I was looking, looking for this opportunity and. I came across this idea that someone mentioned, one of our clients mentioned it, and I had this crazy, stupid thought, Stephen, you should go and write a course to do, to teach what this guy is looking for, for his company. And I'm a 28-year-old kid. What, what do I know? And I, I was wrestling with God, and I, and I was, I said, but God, I don't, I don't know anything about this. What, what do I know about this? Subject Cross-selling. What do I know about I don't even know what cross-selling was when he asked me if we did a cross-selling course. And I'm arguing with God and, 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 and I labored with this thing for a couple of weeks and I felt this, this impression. No, oh, you go and start this business. And uh, I remember I was driving my little Toyota Conquest and I stopped. I was so, I was so um, consumed and, and, and tortured by this thought. I was pretty newly married. Now, am I going to go and resign my job and start a course teaching? So I have no idea what to do. Like, I know nothing about this. And, I'm, and I, I, I think I was like punching my steering wheel. i stopped and I said, and I was like, I raised my voice in prayer, which is okay to do. To the Lord and I said, "God, I cannot do this. I don't know anything about cross-selling." Now, it's, it's probably one of only two times this has happened, but this is the most dramatic time it's ever happened in my life. I heard an audible voice. God spoke a sentence in English audibly to me. I will never forget the words until the day I die. He said, "I said, I cannot do this." He said, "You can, because cross-selling is all about edification." Now, that won't mean anything to you. That meant everything to me. Because of a previous business I was in, one of the primary uh, uh, principles we worked with was this principle of edification and how to edify one another, and it was a strategy we used. So God spoke to me, something I knew, and it's like, I stopped, and I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's actually true. It's not like this was something I'd been thinking about this was a completely foreign thought. I resigned, started a course, wrote a course, ran a business for two years. That opened the door for the next thing. I could tell you a number of stories like that of how when I transitioned from one on the day that I'd given God an ultimatum, the 28th of June 2003, this was another business. Now, the next day, I remember I was, I was swinging for the fences. I'd, I'd been out of now work for like six months. We'd had no business and I said, okay, 28th of February, Lord, I'm going to get a job as a shelf packer at Pick and Pay if that's what it requires because you say I need to provide for my family. So I thought, well, let me go out oh, swinging. I went to Camps Bay. It was a beautiful summer's day. I had a big, because I'd worked as an evangelist for a few months and we had a big sign that said, Jesus is alive. And I remember going down to Camps Bay Beach. I put the sign in the, in the, in the sand next to me. I like dug myself a little like bed and I was just gonna enjoy my final day of freedom. And I was reading my Bible, one of these big donkey choker Bibles. I was like reading the thing with my Jesus is alive sign. And as I'm lying there, my phone rang. 28th of February, it was the, it was the deadline I'd given God. My phone rang. That led to my bringing the world's biggest coaching company to South Africa. I've seen, guys, time after time after time that God has been with me through the struggle. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Walking with God, what an unspeakable privilege. And I have been in awe of God's exhaustive knowledge of me. And of his plan for me, his grace, his love. Jeez, I'm running out of time. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's skip to these two things that Paul says. Here's the point that I want you to, to realize that while your story and God's plan for your life and all the days fashioned for you is, is going to be different to mine, here's one thing we all have in common. According to Paul, we have to fight for our future in God. It is not a given that you're going to fulfill the plan of God in your life. Do you understand that? You have to fight for it. How do we fight for it? Paul gives us two things when he speaks to Timothy. He says, I charge you this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare, having two things, faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. I would venture to say, not only is it possible to shipwreck your future and God's plans for you, I would hazard to say, most people do not fulfill the plan of God in their lives. <clears throat> you got to have two things, faith and a good conscience. Number one, having faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Speaking of one of the, of the Old Testament saints, one of the only human beings who's never died. God just took him. His name was Enoch. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of who? Of those who diligently seek him. You want to fulfill the plan of God in your life, my friend, here's one of the prices you're going to have to pay. You are going to have to diligently seek God with your life. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Do you believe that? Yeah. Concerning the prophecies made over you, you ought to wage the good warfare. You ought to wage war for your future, for God's plan for your life. How? By diligently seeking God, and that requires faith. How do you, how do you seek God? I think rightfully... But maybe we overdo it sometimes. We, we have a narrative in church that says, you know, if you haven't read your Bible this morning or you didn't have your quiet time, don't worry. God's not condemning you. True. But do you ever have a quiet time? Do you have quiet times? Do you get alone and spend time with God and pray about your future and commit your day to Him? Do you have a discipline of personal devotions? I'm asking you this morning because you need one. If you are not regularly spending time in prayer, you are going to suffer shipwreck. If you are not reading your Bible, you are going to suffer shipwreck. This is God's Word to you. Man shall not live by bread alone. You eat every day, don't you? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, you need discipline. Well, I'm not disciplined. Okay, fine. You can say what you want, but you're going to shipwreck your life. Amen. God will not call you to do something that you're not able to do. And every person in this room is able to close the door and get alone and seek God. Yeah. You can do it. You don't even have to have any special words. You open your book. If you've never read the Bible, start at the beginning of the New Testament and begin to read. And then close that book and pour your heart out to God. Tell Him what you're worried about. Tell Him what you, your dreams are. Tell Him about your day. Tell Him about your desires. Confess your sin to Him. Make things right with Him. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites that only do it to, to make a, a, a public show of it. But go into the most private, personal place, your bedroom, close the door, and what your Father sees in secret, He will reward openly. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Are you seeking God? <clears throat> There's going to be long seasons in your life where seeking God is not easy because you're going to be in the wilderness. We hear stories about an audible voice in a car or a prophecy that you receive. But you know what? There will be seasons... Sometimes 10 years where you have nothing from God by the way of miraculous messages. David knew that. The same David that's talking about how God's exhaustive knowledge of him was too wonderful for him, he, he couldn't understand it. Psalm 63, a psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. He's in the wilderness. Everything's going wrong. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. To see your power and your glory. There's going to be many seasons in your life, my friend, where you get alone and you pray and you come to church and you pray and you come to church and you pray and you worship and you worship. And you're saying, God, I'm in a dry and thirsty land. Where is the moving of your spirit again, oh God? But my soul longs for you, God. Does your soul long for God? Does your flesh cry out for God? God. And you're going to have to get through long seasons of life and just keep seeking Him. Secondly, having a good conscience. Paul tells Timothy, if you want to fulfill the plan of God for your life, you're going to have to live with a clean conscience. Paul himself, when he was brought before the Jewish council, this is Acts chapter 23, where he is arrested in Jerusalem. The first words he says to the Jewish council, this is Ananias, same man that crucified Jesus. He says, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I want you to know that you don't have to be perfect and sinless to live with a good conscience. There's a difference between those two things and it's important that you understand that. As Christians, we are called and commanded to live with a good conscience. Now, of course, that does mean living a life of holiness without which no one will see the Lord. But it also means that when you sin, your conscience is tender enough for you to quickly stop doing what you're doing and quickly repent of it, quickly make right with God, keep short accounts with God. That's part of having a clean conscience. Many people don't understand the price that they are paying for their sin. God will not be mocked. As a man sows, so also shall he reap. Do you know that if you allow sin in your life, you are shipwrecking the plan of God for you? And, and just because when you sin... And you allow compromise in your life as a Christian just because a lightning bolt doesn't come out of heaven and strike you dead, just because nothing seems to happen dramatically and everything just carries on the way it is and you seem to be getting away with it, just because that's happening, that doesn't mean there's not consequences. God is patient, my friends. If you allow sin and you live in sin and you do not keep a clear conscience, you will not fulfill the plan of God for your life. You will not. You need a good conscience. Do you enjoy your drunkenness that much that you would trade your future for it? Do you enjoy your pornography that much that you would trade the plan of your Creator for you, the thing for which you were made? The thing that will delight you. The thing that will cause you to bear fruit. The thing that will bring you joy. One of the things that I hope will get into you today is that God is good, that God loves you and serving Him is worth it. He's the one that got the key. Not your pornography, not your sexual immorality, not your drunkenness, not all of this other stuff that, that we allow in our lives. Maybe it's what you watch on TV. Would you sit with Jesus and watch what you watch? There's a price tag that hangs on all of that stuff, guys. Wage war for your future with faith and a good conscience. Is your extramarital sex so good that you'd trade your future for it? <laughs> you can justify these things to your mates. God's not going to change, my friends. Amen. Yeah. I can honestly say to you that I have tried for 25 years of being on this journey, of, of trying to discern the, the will and plan of God and, and going on this incredible adventure that I've been on with Him, I can honestly tell you I have tried to keep a good conscience all these years. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I don't drink alcohol anymore. You know why? Because that, that was a thing that was causing me to sin. And God's had to discipline me on that thing. So I don't drink anymore. Cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life Amen. than to live this life here in pleasure yeah. with two hands. Yeah. Deal with your sin. It's costing you your future. Okay. Let me close. Walking with God has been an unspeakable privilege. It has enabled me to take risks without fear. It's an adventure walking with God. It's awesome. God knows for, for me as a man he knows what will stimulate me. He knows that sense of risk and, and that sense of adventure that I, that I long for and he is the one that knows how to fulfill it. And yet I know when I take risks and I've done stuff like that, it's been safe. It's been with Him hedging me about. And to find my sense of value in my calling, not in my results. This is the other thing that happens when you walk with God and, you, and you're hearing from Him and, you, and you're discerning what He's saying and you're committing your way to Him every day and He's making your path straight, which is one of His promises, isn't it? Commit your way to Him, He'll make your path straight. I have found a dignity knowing that I am walking with God. I'm walking in His plan. Folks, it is very difficult to live a life for 25 years as an entrepreneur where most of the time I was struggling financially and, and seven businesses in a row I lost. It's very difficult to maintain a sense of dignity in the midst of that. But when you know that you're walking in the plan of God, He has a way of, of restoring to you your dignity. Amen. Even though the, the journey is hard and he's, and he's having to teach you stuff. He's having to discipline you and raise you up. He's a good Father. He knows what He's doing. Amen. But He wants you to have dignity. Oh, it's wonderful serving oh. God. Eh? <laughs> hey, Nick, it is wonderful serving God. There's nothing like it, man. Yeah. Seek God. Seek Him. He will take you all the way there and then He will take you home. <laughs> what a message. <laughs> what a message. Seek God while there is still time. I want to close by addressing those of you here today. Maybe you don't even know this God. Maybe you've never been what we call born again. What the Bible calls being born again. A complete transformation of your very heart is what happens when you become a Christian in the biblical sense. This is not about starting to go to church, although that's a good thing. This is about the Holy Spirit, through a, a miracle, a miraculous power, reaching inside of you and changing your very nature. He takes out a heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh. You are converted, is another word the Bible uses. Has that happened to you? How does it happen? Very simple, my friend. You repent of your sin. It means you turn away from it. And you very simply, without promises of anything, come with an empty hand and you put your faith in Jesus Christ who died on a cross to take your sin away from you. He took all the punishment and the shame and the wrath of God which you have earned and He put it on Himself and He suffered and He died for you. The great exchange. His righteousness is given to you. Your filth was put upon him and he was crushed for it on that cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead victorious, having buried your sin, having buried the danger of death. But you've got to receive that. You have to come to God in faith and say, God, I am sorry I'm a sinner and I'm sorry I've been running from you my whole life. I want to walk with you. Please forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. Simple as that. We are saved by faith in Jesus. Yes. Will you put your faith in Jesus today? Seek God. I've been telling you to seek God. That's what today is about. Seek Him. There's a verse in Isaiah that says this. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Thank you Lord. Amen. So I'm going I'm to ask if we could all stand. I'm going to ask if, if one of two things. Either you have never ever given your life to Jesus and you know that you want to do that today. Seek the Lord while He may be found, my friends. You don't know when you're going to be in a, a, a building like this, hearing the preaching of the gospel again, because you will leave here and the devil will lull you back to sleep. Take the moment while you have it now and reconcile with God. That's the first person I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Not, not yet. I'm going to ask you to raise a hand. Second type of person... If you have got something that you know you need to deal with in your conscience and you feel like today God has spoken to you about a price tag that's been hanging on your behaviour and you don't want to pay that price anymore. You want to make clean with God. I want you to raise your hand as well and then we're going to pray. Okay, you can do that. Thank you. That takes courage. Thank you, that takes courage. Thank you, thank you. It takes courage to raise your hand. Let me tell you what it took more courage for Jesus to hang on a cross naked for you. Father, I want to thank you for these who've raised their hands, oh God. They are wanting to walk with you, Lord. Some are wanting to be saved. God, I pray you save them today, Lord reach your mighty hand inside of them, take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, oh God. Let them never be the same again after today, Lord. God, we look forward to the day as we walk with them now that they will give themselves to water baptism, Lord. In order to be joined to you and joined to your church. And if that's you, you've raised your hand, that's your next step. You speak to the person that brought you here. The way you commit your, your life to Jesus publicly is in water baptism. And we encourage you to do that. And then Lord, I want to pray for those who've raised their hands saying, oh God, I'm a Christian, but I've been compromising and I realise today that I have been giving up the great plan of God in my life and I want to contend again for my future. God, I pray you forgive them. Forgive them, God. Your, your word says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, they are confessing their sin as they raise their hands. Well, God bless you for doing that. God, I pray for them. Give them power to overcome their sin, to cut off whatever hand needs to be cut off, that they might walk with You and be in awe and wonder at Your exhaustive knowledge and plan for them. We love You, God. We love You. We thank You that You love us, that You walk with us. God, empower us to walk with You. In Jesus' Name. Amen.